Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Genesis chapter 18, starting with verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. He just, he just won't let God leave. He's been begging God the whole time to hang around. Then God's trying to walk away, and Abraham's chasing him down that dirt road. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is very grave I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me and if not I will know then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom but Abraham stood still in front of him before the Lord and Abraham came near and he said would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked say amen at the reading of God's word you may be seated for those who always use the word of God as a punchline of self-esteem where all of scripture and church and the word of God is designed to give you a case of the feel-betters where it's cute, cuddly words from God that, that compels you to perpetually draw near to the Lord. I, I would believe that perhaps the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is one you might want to avoid. This, this story of the judgment of God is as real as the story as the, of the mercy of God. There are so many of us that believe that God is somehow a cuddly grandparent that just gives us money when we need it. We fail to recognize that the Bible talks about a very intimate justice that gets engaged with our cities, our nations, our lives. And, and if you're contrary to the word of God, you don't get the promises of God. And, and I don't care how loud your music is and how cool your stage looks. If you're not walking with the authority of God, it's not the song that brings the favor. It's the anointing of righteousness on Monday that causes you to walk in the favor of God. I stand in stark contrast to so many people who would try and flatter their congregation into attendance. I believe with all of my heart that part of the gospel is the confrontation of the word. That we are to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We're not to walk like they walk and talk like they talk and live like they live. I rebuke the American church for allowing the church to become so worldly and the world so churchy that you can't tell the two apart. But I believe that the next wave of revival in the American church will be a revival of holiness and a revival of righteous living and mercy one to another. Am I right about it? There are so many people that work so hard to make the gospel sweet and nice to center lives and you have this person that you're trying to flutter and flatter into the kingdom of God but you give them a false impression of Christ for when they really meet him he will not be as gracious toward their sin as you have been. 
you know the conviction in your life. You know when you're afraid that you're outside of God's plan. There's not a man here doesn't believe you're going to hell on a technicality from time to time. I walk in fear of God. And when you diminish the gospel by removing fear of God from your communication, then you very well may be preaching a gospel of demons and not of Christ. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of sin. And the same Holy Spirit, the same Christ, the same Father God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God that is still high and lifted up on the throne above the church today. And if God did not wink at sin then, how much more so will He not ignore it on this side of the blood of His Son? Righteousness is not a suggestion. It's a commandment of God. God didn't call us to get a case of of, of self-esteem and hand it out in the church and pretend as if filling the church up with people, feeling closer to their spouse and closer to their children is somehow creating salvation in their hearts. No, you've got to come near God. You've got to draw near a holy God that's also a dangerous God. I have people tell me from time to time, you read the book of Revelation wrong. You you study it and it brings so much fear to your heart. You need to see it through a different prism. You need to understand it from a different perspective because it really brings hope and, and love and poetry to your heart. I've read the book of Revelation. It's terrifying. There's no way to make me feel good about dragons coming out of the ocean and destroying things. I'm not going to feel good about the rise of the spirit of the Antichrist or the bowls of wrath being poured out on earth. you got to get all the way to the end of it for the new city. New heaven and the new earth for the former things are passed away. By the time you get through the book, you're like, thank God. I'm ready for some former things to pass away. I feel like sometimes the church has gotten so cuddly that people aren't feeling convicted. Truthfully, if you're not going to serve God, you're not going to be comfortable here long. I don't want you to leave. But I will tell you this, if you don't get right with God, you'll find a way of blaming us on your way out. There has to be some conviction. Sodom and Gomorrah, the story of its destroyed or its destruction brings, brings a level of holy reflection to my heart. However, this story, truthfully, I need to contradict myself a bit because this particular story brings great hope to my heart. There are some things in this passage that actually animate a great enthusiasm in me. I was reading a sermon by Reverend Winthrop. I don't know how you're supposed to say his name. That's how it's spelled. In the 1600s when they were establishing a community, a group of settlers and pilgrims came here and He concluded his sermon about America. He said, thus stands the cause between God and us. Can you hear him? We are entered into covenant with him for this work. We have taken out a commission. The Lord hath given to us leave to draw on our own articles. We have professed to enterprise these and those accounts upon these articles. 
and those ends. We have hereupon besought him a favor and blessing. Now if the Lord shall please to hear us and bring us into this great land that we desire, then hath he ratified this covenant and sealed our commission and will expect a strict performance of the articles contained in it. But if we shall neglect the observation of these articles, which are the ends we have propounded and dissembled with our God, which fall so to embrace this present world and prosecute our carnal desires, start seeking great things for ourselves and our posterity, then the Lord will surely break out with wrath against us. Be revenged of such a people. And make us know the price of the breach of such a great covenant. We are Sodom and Gomorrah. Guilty. Our nation commits the sins of this ungodly city. And the words of this great preacher terrify me. That we stand on the edge of the release of God's wrath. Oh pastor, it's so much better now. The greatest sin of America was slavery. The greatest sin of America was the genocide of the Native American. Well, you're of the same demon if you're willing to kill the unborn. The sex slave trade in Atlanta is as real now as it was in the early 1800s. Just because we're not auctioning them off to sell them to the cotton fields does not mean we're not auctioning them off to sell them to the bedroom of people too perverted to get married and have a relationship with one woman their entire life. It's still sin. We, we, have, we have these demons loose in our culture. And our great nation has this disposition toward God. Where you can't make fun of anybody except Christians. Where we become lampooned and God's name becomes profane. And all of the things that we have feared, all of the things that we've heard about Sodom and Gomorrah. Can be very true for our lives. But There's a couple of things in this story that bring me hope. The first thing that brings me hope is that God said, I'm going to go visit the city. I'm Pentecostal. I don't care why he shows up. Somebody talk to me. You see, the difference in a Pentecostal church and a non-Pentecostal church is we actually believe that there's a moment in every service, if we do it just right, where something changes. And we can feel the glory of God come down in the sanctuary. How many of you can give me a witness that you know what it is to be singing a song to worship God and then all of a sudden there's a new power that comes into the sanctuary and it gets inside your heart and it's like fire shut up in your bones and you can't help yourself and you begin to magnify and glorify his name. I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but this should apply to most of you. You're here, which means there's something a little bit wrong with you. 
There's something inside of you that believes that if your praise goes up, his glory will come down. That where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there in the middle of them. We don't care if you're showing up for judgment or you're showing up for mercy or you're showing up just because we praise. All I can say is come on down. Lord, if you want to judge us, then you let it be. But let it be you and not a demon. Don't let it be another angel. God, we want your glory to come to the city. Because if God loves Sodom and Gomorrah enough to visit the city, then I can't help but believe that God loves America enough to visit us one more time. I'm asking God for a holy visitation of his presence. Because if God visits America, we can leave when he does. Like I told my wife one time, you ever leave me, I'm going with you. She comes up to me and says, I'm tired of it, I'm leaving. I'll say to her, you're absolutely right, I'm sick of it myself, I'm going with you. Tired of the way I've been acting, I don't know what my problem's been. Well, if God's coming down, that's not bad news because I've met him. He's my father. I've got a brother that advocates for me, and I've got a Holy Spirit that lives inside of my heart. I love to be close to him. I'm like Abraham running out of the tabernacle of meeting going, don't leave. Sit right there. I want your presence, and I feel the anointing on the Buford Church of God, not as a church that assembles for people, not as a church that does programs perfect. We are a church that comes together because God has designed and perfectly equipped us to host the glory of God. I believe that the Lord pays special attention to the praise of his people and I believe that God comes down in this church. I can feel his presence. I can sense his glory. Is there somebody here right now you can give me a witness that even as I'm preaching, you can feel the fires of Pentecost in your heart. You've been worshiping him all day. You knew on your way to church that God was going to say something to you. You were driving in your car on the way to church and you saw that sunrise and you said to yourself, there's going to be something happen in the church today. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, listen to me. He's coming. He's coming. (laughs) I believe that God is going to visit this great nation one more time. Not only is God going to visit this great nation, I believe there's a whole lot of worshipers like Abraham who are willing to stand between God and the condemned and say, hold up just a minute. Why did God tell Abraham what he was going to do? Because God loved to hear Abraham pray. And some of you have been privy to what God is about to do. You have this knowledge in your heart that things seem to be apocalyptic right now. Maybe you're oblivious. Maybe you're just in a happy, happy place. But I promise you, what's going on in the world right now looks like the spirit of the Antichrist to me. I'm telling you, I can sense that God is up to something. Why? Because the devil's up to something. 
You can feel the heavyweight fight of the titans of the principalities and powers of heaven and hell clothing themselves in the armor of their particular persuasion and you can sense the rumble is about to happen. It's like you're walking toward a stadium and you can hear the roar of the crowd as you get closer and you realize they're gearing up. Every demon in hell is getting ready. Every attack on the church is being manifest right now. The devil is all over the earth with the same message trying to unify his people. Why? There's a God in heaven who promised in his word that in the last days he had poured out his spirit on all flesh and I believe that God is about to do something mighty in this earth and you can feel the tension with every election, every news cycle, every day you wake up. There's somebody here that knows what I'm talking about. You can feel the power of God moving in the earth. Why? God loves to hear you pray. He loves to hear you shout. He loves to hear you praise. If God has you worked up inside your heart over what's going on, then lift up your voice right now like a trumpet and let's begin to magnify God. God wouldn't let you hear it. He wouldn't let you see it. He wouldn't let you feel it if he weren't going to use you to do something about it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, I, I need to tell you something. If you're visiting with us today, I'm not normally like this. I usually have a little more runway before I really just plow into the business of the church. But today is the day. It's about to get messy. If you're not Pentecostal, my apologies for what's about to happen. But I believe God's going to do something in our church because he's going to get us ready for a visitation. Hallelujah. Abraham stood before the Lord. Hold up. And the Bible says he drew near God. See, he was Pentecostal. That's what we do. Our whole business. We're not worried. Pastor, can you, can you drink and be a Christian? Is it possible to do these things and be a Christian? Pentecostals don't talk like that. The Holy Ghost doesn't drink. He is my divine alcohol. I don't need your stuff to make me act like you act because I'm too close to him. If you get me drunk, heaven help. What happens? I'm not worried about what I can get away with and still go to heaven. I want to know what I can give up so I can get close to him. I'm drawing near him. He's holy. He's righteous. He's pure. I'm giving up more stuff. You're trying to figure out what you can hang on to. I'm leaving nets. I'm leaving habits. I'm leaving old ways behind. I'm breaking stuff. Letting the alabaster box of praise just go all over the tabernacle because I have one goal in my life. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I want to be close to Jesus hallelujah draw near to God and he'll draw near to you cleanse your hands you double minded double minded man unstable in all his ways you got to give up some stuff so anyway that's another sermon Abraham drew near God and he says will you destroy the righteous with the wicked and God prompted Abraham to say that. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going on in Sodom. 
He knew what he was going to do. He was prompting this conversation so that you and I could read this great illustration today and learn for all times that God's a God of mercy. I'm not going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. For 50, for 50, 40, 40, 30, 30, 20, 20, 10, even for 10. It lets me know it ain't over for America. It ain't over. Now I'm going to get on a soapbox for a minute. Not that I haven't already been on one. But I have a friend who is very committed to the idea that it's over for America and that God's judging us and there's nothing we can do about it. Now we've already crossed that line and the judgment has started and now we're going to see the manifestation of God's persecuting wrath poured out on this land. And I disagree. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true for a lot of reasons. And I'm going to share with you my particular opinion. I don't think it's over for America. I don't think our best days are behind us. I still think this is a good land. I still think that there's good people. I still think that God has a plan for America. I, I don't think it's over. Truthfully, I think they're lying about most of it. I think the bad news that we get is from the spirit of hell. The gospel's called the good news. We don't get good news. We just get MSNBC and Fox News and CNN. and That's the news that we call news, but that's not what God says. The good news is... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not perish, but have everlasting life, that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. In this business of hating on America, can I park it here for a minute? People just pray that God would damn this nation, that, that, that the Lord would, would corrupt and, and destroy it because they're deliciously hoping for the demise of America. How foolish. When people in Central America, people from the islands, people from places all around the world try and articulate where they want to go, it's always to the shining city on a hill, which was Winthrop's sermon. They're still trying to make their way here. And what frustrates me is when people get here, they start getting angry at the very nation that gave them the freedom to complain. I don't hope for the demise of America. I don't hate America. I love this land. I, I think God gave us a good land. It's my land. It's your land. I don't pray that God curse America. I say God bless the USA. May the power of God overwhelm this land. I want God to heal it. I don't want God to destroy it. Well, pastor, this is a, a racial nation. This racial division in, the, in our nation is so awful that these, this whole nation is a racist nation. Let me make a very terrible observation. Most countries that I go to, you know a waste of time in that country? their driver's license that says hair color and eye color because they all look alike. 
When I go to another country, it's like a great big Where's Waldo book, and I'm Waldo. Go to Kenya. There's no diversity in that airport. Land in Paris. Very little diversity in that airport. Go to Amsterdam. There's no diversity. Land in Ukraine. Forget about it. Zero diversity. Go to China. No diversity. Come back to Atlanta. We're the only nation on earth trying to get along with each other. And yet everybody wants to blame us when we're the only ones playing the game. Act like we're the only ones that are racist. We're the only ones trying to solve it. That's like somebody sitting in a car and that spoiled little brat sitting in the car complaining because daddy's taking too long changing the tire in the rain. You've got hardworking people in the state of Georgia who love each other, who teach our schools and build our businesses. And we labor together, red, yellow, black, and white. And I'm tired of people from nations that have no diversity, from cities that have no diversity, coming down here and telling us how racist we are when we live together, we work together, we're in the same neighborhoods, we go to the same churches, we're doing the best job of anybody on the planet, and I stand against your judgment and your persecuting attitude. It's nothing more than the soft bigotry of intellectual conceit. I love America. And I'm not going to give up. Not without a fight. No, sir. I didn't hear the bell ring. I got one more round. I got a church full of Holy Ghost believers, and we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to sing. We're going to do our job, and I'm not alone. I'm not the only church. You got Jensen Franklin down the road preaching his lungs out right now. You've got churches all around me right now. That preacher's standing up there glorifying, magnifying God. We are in this together, and we're going to change it together. We're not going quietly into the night. I believe that it's not over for America. I believe it's time for America to call on God's name. I believe God's going to visit us, and I believe believe that it's time for us to lead this nation toward the baptism of repentance rather than this place of judgment and anger, division, racism and pride. I come against it in the name of Jesus and I release faith, hope and love and mercy and let God arise and his enemies be scattered. It's not over. It's not over because I believe those promises made by our forefathers and mothers are still real. They, they promised that we would be a nation that sends out missionaries, and we still do. They promised that we would be a nation that stands by Israel, and I believe we still stand by Israel. I don't believe it's over for America because I believe there's a lot of good left in America. And then my second point is this. Why just America? God's going to destroy America. Well, why not the Canadians? They won't let them have church. Right? Talk to me. The Canadians are putting preachers in jail. Get them. Why just America? Jamaica's overcome with wickedness. You can't go to that island of Jamaica and say, well, this is a land of righteousness. 
They need God desperately in Jamaica. So why would God destroy us and not Jamaica? You think the Brazilians have it right? Do you do any study on South American culture? Why not the Russians? Why not the Chinese? Why not the French? Don't amen on these countries too loud now. The whole world's going to hell. The world is homogenized. It is a one world culture. Wickedness is not just here. We're not the only nation that was born under the promises of God. Every nation was raised up under the promises of God. We're not the only nation that belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My God owns this world. All of the nations of the earth are wicked now. It's like the whole nation is turned toward perversion. The whole world is turned towards decadence. Everybody's pursuing their own way. There's wars and rumors of wars. And Jerusalem is encamped round about by armies. There's an invading force as, as the power of hell is destroying even the homeland of God's people. But the Bible says, when you see these things start to happen, Lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. I believe with all of my heart that we have the wrong sermon corresponding with the right circumstance. We're seeing the circumstance and we're preaching judgment. It's the wrong connection. We see the circumstance, so we need to start preaching revival. I believe that God said in the last days these things would happen, but he also said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I'm not looking for the devil. I'm not on his team. I'm looking for God. I see the Lord high and lifted up, and he's about to do something great in this earth. The Lord is on our side. It's not over. I'll tell you the big reason from this story that I believe that it's not over for America is because what God told Abraham. He said, for 50, I'll spare the city. Yesterday, I was at the University of Georgia football game. And I was feeling the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've ever been to the stadium when it's more enthusiastic or, or more loud than it was yesterday, but they, the, the team came running out on the field. And we were just losing our minds. We just knew this was going to be our day. And when those boys ran across that 50-yard line, almost every one of them knelt down and started praying. Arkansas, they started praying during halftime, you could see them all over. <laughs> but you know what I thought when I saw all them boys praying? They're not televising this. I had to come to the stadium to see the truth. The devil's lying to us. We're winning. That's why he's worked up into a panic. 
That's why he's saddled every virus with a demon so that you get depressed and discouraged. That's why he's after the church because he knows his time is short. He knows that he's losing. He knows the church is triumphant and bathed in power. But the devil's trying to intimidate you into being silent. He's trying to intimidate you so that you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what it is? He's got a little chihuahua of a demon. A little yap dog. Yap, 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 yap. Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion. Not because he's a lion, but because he's trying to act like one. He's a toothless little chihuahua down there trembling and barking. And you're letting a little chihuahua terrify you. You got a pit bull spirit being intimidated by a little chihuahua devil that was defeated a long time ago. No weapons, no authority, no power. My God defeated him on a hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago, and I think it's time that the redeemed of the Lord said so. I believe that it's time we stop telling the bad news and we tell the good news, that the church is alive and God is real and revival is coming, that the Holy Ghost has a plan for our lives and a plan for our nation. Hallelujah. I need a Holy Ghost rumble all over this house right now. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I didn't come to watch somebody else praise him. I came to praise him for myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The next apocalyptic event on this earth is not going to be the destruction of petty nations. You're going to hear it. It's going to be a a trumpet. You'll be driving down the road. You'll be at your house. You'll be at work. We'll be at church. Oh, let it be at church. You're going to hear a trumpet. You're going to check your cell phone. You're going to look around and it's going to get louder. And then an angel is going to step out on the clouds of glory and he's going to shout, Glory! Glory! And the eastern sky is going to unzip so that at noon you can still see the stars. That atmosphere will roll back and the light of heaven will fall like a waterfall. You'll lift up your heads and your hands will go intuitively into the air for you will see him. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And my Uncle Ronnie's going to be right there beside me. My grandmother's going to greet me. Somebody talk to me. Maybe you've got somebody on the other side. I've got blessed assurance for you that the Bible is yes and amen. There's going to be a great getting up morning. We will rise. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those that are alive and remain shall be called up to meet him in the air. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I have a city in heaven whose builder and maker is God. How dare I get in this moment? And allow my life to be intimidated by what they say. My my testimony to be silenced by the intimidation of this world. No, sir. I'm a child of God. I've got a promise. And there's no devil in hell. There's no fear of virus. There's no plague of this planet that can silence the promise that's inside my heart. Today I glorify God. Today I magnify God. And I declare we will not allow this city to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. 
For ten righteous I'll spare the city. How many of you, I need to know if you, if you have committed your life to Christ and you know your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Let me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I tell you. It ain't over. Why? You're here. I'm still standing here. I didn't hear a bell ring. It's not over. Yesterday when I was watching that football game, I had this little refrain I kept using. They kept trying to tackle them guys. And I'd say, he's still running. That Oh, Zeus was running the ball one time. They had, they had one guy hit him, another guy jumped on his helmet, and then the, the one guy was ripping off his shoulder pads, another guy was stabbing him in the back with a hammer, and then the coach came out and started hitting him in the head with a clipboard, and the whole other team was throwing rocks at him, and he kept on running, and then they finally blew the whistle because they got tired of seeing them poor boys get abused, and he just threw them all off of him, and he stood there in the middle of the field and said, You want some more of this? I feel like that's what the church is. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Maybe all of hell has been riding on you like a horse. Maybe you felt every demon coming after your mind, trying to destroy your body, trying to destroy your business, trying to destroy every family member, but I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus, and I shake off that devil into the fires of Pentecost, and I say to day it ain't over the game isn't over the whistle hasn't blown the bell hasn't rung I've got one more fight in me the devil can't knock me out I'm still running hallelujah hallelujah I want well just keep standing Everybody else, just stand with us. I want us all to stand I want us to begin to lift up your voice to God I believe with all of my heart that we're on the edge of something incredible how do you know, Pastor? Because of how stupid stuff is right now. How, how much of a genius do you have to be to be able to read the newspaper and go, well, that's different? When has there ever been a time when the governments of this earth are seizing control of individual lives? Tracking your every movement, trying to control commerce. When has there ever been a season where the church has been, been assaulted and, and, and the enemy's trying to empty it with fear, empty it with plague, empty it with government rules? The, the devil's hostile right now, which is good news. He does that when hell knows that God is about to do something mighty. See, get your eyes off the devil. He's Goliath. I'll destroy all of you. I've got a spear the size of your Volkswagen. I can knock your head off with this incredible sword that is heavier than you and all your kinfolk. I can come down. And all of the Hebrews are down there writing it down. Wow, he probably is, uh, let's see, is it one, two, three? See, he's nine feet, three. Oh, he's got, he's got the weaver's rod there for a spear there, and it's even his shield. They're sitting there measuring Goliath. Read it. I mean, they, they knew exactly how big he was. Let me ask you a question. How tall was David? They didn't measure the guy that won the fight. All they talked about was COVID. 
We need to stop talking about what the devil's doing and start talking about the cross. It's time to let God arise. It's time for the people of God to praise the Lord. The walls of Jericho will come down. God's glory will intervene. His power will be revealed. Hallelujah. I pray that you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. I ask God to give you a helmet of salvation a shield of faith, a sword of the Spirit and the Word of God in your hand. I pray that your chest would be covered with the righteousness of God and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. May a spirit go before you, a fire by night and a cloud by day. May he overwhelm you with his kindness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall soft on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.